Hello and welcome to an NBA trade deadline edition of the Who Says No podcast. My name is Colin Ward-Henninger. I am one of your hosts, a writer at CBS Sports. Joining me to discuss and dissect all of the trade deadline frenzy, the names involved, the rumors that are swirling, is my co-host, Sam Quinn. How you doing, man? You keeping your head straight with all this? Colin, I've noticed something with the way that we do our introductions. You always start with the word hello. I always start with the word welcome. Should we have a uniform introduction or should we keep up the variation? Yeah, you know, I think for the three people who have noticed that, it's probably like our little signatures. Like now they know who's hosting and who's going to be the, the, you know, kind of the responder type. I think it's, you know, it's a good thing to have your own little signature. Well, I'm a little worried about sticking with the welcome because Zach Lowe's welcome to with the eight second pause is such an iconic podcast opening in our world. Maybe I should come up with my own thing. I think hello is now yours. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what I have noticed when I edit these and I say hello, it's always like super loud. So I need to work on that as well. But, you know, it's a work in progress. We're always getting better. We get better with every single episode. You know what? We're working these kinks out in front of you guys. So congratulations. You're now behind the scenes on Who Says No. That's true. And it also it makes us human, you know. Right. Speaking of getting better, though. Lots of teams are going to be trying to get better in the next couple that of days. That is a segue, man. See, that's why, that is yeah. a good host. See, that's, that's getting better every single day. But, uh, yeah, there are a number of big names out there. But, you know, we'll just kind of in this podcast just kind of go one by one through the, the bigger names that are in trade rumors right now. Obviously, there's a lot of information out there coming from a lot of different directions. Uh, some of it really credible. Some of it kind of speculation. But uh, we'll do our best to sort everything out. And then we'll try to, uh, you know, discuss who we think uh, that player, where we think that player would best fit and where we kind of hope he'll land. So uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get started. The first guy is the biggest name. I would say I think you'd probably agree on the market. Uh, it looks like he is going to be dealt. And that's Kyle Lowry. The Toronto Raptors are absolutely floundering. They lost to the Houston Rockets, who had lost 20 consecutive games. And uh, it looks like Lowry may have played, uh, you know, his last days in Toronto. So lots of teams going to be vying for him. Uh, Philly and Miami seem to be the front runners at this point. But I mean, we've seen many, many times that teams can swoop in with a better offer at the last second and change things up. So uh, Sam, first of all, do you think it's the right decision for the Raptors to trade Lowry? It depends on a few different factors. I would say there are one of two paths they should take. They should either trade all of their, I'm not going to say tradable guys, but Trade all of the guys that are in rumors, like trade Lowry, trade Norm Powell. If anybody wants any of the bench guys, trade them too, or keep everybody. It should be either or because they have two paths this offseason that they can take. Either they can maximize cap space, which is going to mean letting Norm Powell walk and letting Kyle Lowry walk, or they can hold on to everybody's bird rights, which is going to mean re-signing Powell and re-signing Lowry. You would go that route if you don't think you can do better with cap space. If the Raptors are set on using cap space and they're going to lose Lowry and Powell anyway, you might as well trade them, right? And we don't know for sure what the Raptors are going to do this offseason. It certainly seems like they still want to use their cap space and sign, man, I don't even know who. Like, we were talking about this on Sunday when I had Yossi Goslin on. We just don't know who the Raptors are chasing, but they're clearly chasing somebody. So they want to use their space. If that's the case, trade these guys now and get value for them. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think uh, the Raptors are kind of in a, a unique position in that 
even if they trade Kyle Lowry and Norm Powell, like you're not looking at like a complete rebuild. Like you have Fred VanVleet, you have OG Ananobi, you have Pascal Siakam. Like you have a pretty good core of young players. Obviously, you're going to need someone else if you want to be a, a championship contender anytime soon. You're going to need a, a bigger name, a, a bigger marquee guy than that. But at least with those three, you're going to be competitive. And you're going to win a lot of games. So. Um, you know, I, I think it's the right move personally, but the Powell thing kind of snuck up on me. I mean, it makes sense. Um, but just with how well he's been playing recently, I was a little surprised, but, um, Lowry, I think it, there's obviously a little, you know, mutual respect going here where they don't want him playing for a team that's, that's not going to be competitive if he has the chance to, to go somewhere and win a championship. So, um, you know, all the reports are, they're going to work with Lowry on his destination. But, you know, like I said, if somebody comes in with a, a massive offer, they might not be as, as concerned with where Lowry wants to go. But where, where do well, you want to see Kyle Lowry go? Just one more footnote on this. Keith Pompey, Philadelphia Inquirer, reports that he wants wherever he goes to at least appear open to an extension. He doesn't have to sign on the dotted line at during like when he gets traded. But it seems like he wants an extension in the two-year $50 million range. The Raptors just might not want to pay him that. And that's understandable. He turns 35 on deadline day, so... You have to be ready to win a championship right now if you're trading for Kyle Lowry. And, I mean, we did a whole podcast about him. There are a number of different teams where he'd fit. The obvious one that I think everybody would agree on is Philly. I think the clear trade here is something around Tyrese Maxey, maybe a first-round pick, and then salary filler. So that would be Danny Green, Mike Scott, probably Terrence Ferguson. You might have to turn that into a three-teamer to make the numbers work. The Raptors don't have enough um, roster spots to take in all those guys, but – that's the core that works. That's the one that makes sense. Lowry's a Philadelphia guy. Philly needs, I'm not going to say Philly needs a point guard, but they need a shot creator. They need somebody who can both pass and shoot. They have a lot of guys who do one or the other. So getting Lowry would really help their crunch time offense. It would help them defensively. I mean, they wouldn't be quite up to Brooklyn's level of star power, but it gets them as close as they could possibly get. I, I just think that's a slam dunk. They should do it if they can. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, if you were to draw up a player, which is exactly that what Philly needs right now, I, th- I think it would be Kyle Lowry, right? A guy who can... Well, yeah, it would be ahead. James Harden, but... <laughs> <laughs> Too soon, man. Come on. Well, Fresh we should wounds. talk about this a little bit, right? Because, like, their big almost move of this season really... Well, actually, just of this season, because all Philly does over the last five years is make blockbusters. But the big almost move this season was James Harden. I'm just going to throw the hypothetical out here, out there to you. It's not this simple, but would you rather have Simmons and Lowry or Harden? Well, okay. So here's my counter to the Harden thing is that if Joel Embiid is the MVP of the league and he's taken this leap here, I think the last thing you want is uh, kind of who gets the last shot, whose team is it, whatever. We know Philly has had all sorts of chemistry issues in the past and they seem to have worked themselves out this year. So uh, you know, obviously Harden has worked out tremendously in Brooklyn, but who's to say that if he came to Philly, there wouldn't have been a little bit of a, you know, friction, particularly come playoff time. So by adding a guy like Lowry, that, that's a, you know, a proven veteran character guy, um, a guy who's won a championship and, and performed brilliantly in the finals. Uh, you don't have those postseason questions. So um, uh, personally, I would take Lowry and Simmons, but that's that kind of looks well, silly with how great Harden's been playing recently. I think it's honestly, it's a toss up to me. The deciding factor would be the fact that Philly didn't trade for Harden is what allowed Brooklyn to do it. 
and now you have to beat Brooklyn, right? Right. Like, you might say Addition that Simmons, subtraction. <laughs> right. You might say that Simmons and Lowry in a vacuum are worth more than Harden. Like if you're building a team, you might take the two over the one. As I think about it, I would probably take Harden. I just if you have a chance to get the top five, top six, six, top seven, whatever, wherever you'd rank Harden, when you have a chance to get that guy, you do it. But I think the fact that they now have to beat Brooklyn is why I'd probably lean towards Harden. Do you think if they get Lowry, like where do you rank them against Brooklyn and I guess Milwaukee too? Yeah, I think I think you know, given a healthy Durant, uh, which is you know still a question mark, and a Kyrie who's present and active, uh, I think Brooklyn still gets the edge. Uh, we'll see what they do in the next couple of days in terms of adding players and then maybe on the buyout market. But uh, I, I still would put Philly below them. I think I would put the 76ers ahead of the Bucks at that point if they got Lowry, and I think they would be much closer to beating the Nets than they obviously would be without him. Um, I guess you have to factor in like who they're getting rid of. If it's Danny Green, that's an you know an important part of kind of what they've built this year. But uh, you know that's not going to be the holdup if you get a chance to get Kyle Lowry. Um, do you think it makes them any more competitive with Brooklyn? I think it's sort of similar to the PJ Tucker trade with Milwaukee, where it doesn't make them favorites against against Brooklyn, but it gets them close enough to where like they have a shot. Like even if everybody's healthy, I could see the Lowry Sixers beating the healthy nets in seven games do i think it's likely no i would say where where was i on tucker in the in the box i had them at like 80 out of 100 yeah. it was like yeah the nets win 80 out of 100 like that that gives the milwaukee a 20 percent chance i'd probably put philly somewhere similarly honestly like i i think brooklyn is that good but that gives them a real chance if you look at how that aligns defensively you could go down the stretch with something like, say, Lowry on Kyrie, Simmons on Durant, and Thibel on Harden. Like, that's a really nice trio to match up with. Um, you'd have enough offense, obviously. I mean, man, Lowry, Curry, Embiid, Simmons, Harris. Like, that's an awesome five. I, I would still pick Brooklyn, but they're certainly a lot closer. Right now, if you just lined up the two healthy rosters right now, I think Brooklyn wins in five. I don't think it's close. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. And the other team that's being mentioned a lot with Lowry is Miami. And, um, I mean, what do you think about, obviously, Lowry fits there, and it's a position of need for them. Um, but do you think Miami is close enough? Like, Philly can at least convince itself that with Lowry, they're now going to be the Eastern Conference favorite, or they put themselves in a better position. Is Miami with Lowry? Does do they get to that level, or are they still kind of a rung below the 76ers, Nets, Bucks trio? Just wait until the off season, man. Like, yeah. sure, they get Lowry. I guess they're in that top tier, but still, like, you have to beat two of those teams just to get to the finals. And who's waiting for you in the finals? Oh, it's LeBron again. Like, what, what would their championship odds be with Lowry? Like, you're just putting LeBron in the finals, huh? We get, we'll talk about this at another well, time, but that was it might be a little presumptuous at this point. Okay, if they're healthy, <laughs> looking like seeing what we're seeing from the Clippers and the Jazz right now, Oof. I don't think anybody's beating the Lakers. But they might not be healthy, so I guess not. But in all likelihood, like I think we would both have the Lakers still as the favorites in the West. So either way, you're looking at three very difficult series where you're a probably the underdog and B more importantly, you're on the road. You're playing three game sevens on the road. So I would just wait until the off season. They can just sign him out right then. Right? Like now maybe if he goes to Philly, he might just resign and that's that you don't have a chance at him, but you still have, you're still Miami. 
You still have close to max cap space. You still have all your young guys. Like Miami doesn't have to fixate on Kyle Lowry in the way that maybe Philly does. Like Philly's never going to have max cap space again. That ship has sailed. As long as they haven't beaten Simmons, this is going to be an expensive team. Miami can be afford to be flexible. If I were them, I just wait it out. Like I, I don't think you're winning three road game sevens. And I think last year sort of infected them, right? Like I think making it to the finals under those weird circumstances last year maybe had them thinking they were a bit closer than they actually were, right? Like I'm not saying that they can't make it back to the finals this year. I'm saying it's not likely enough that I would be willing to give up premium young assets. You know what it's like? It's like when you look in the mirror, right? Like after you've been like lifting and working out and eating well for like th- like two weeks, you look in the mirror and you're like, yeah, I like what I see. I'm, I'm strong. I'm fit. And then after like a two week bender of just like eating and drinking and not working out, you look in the mirror. It can be the same body, but you just see like, oh, I'm a blob. This is disgusting. I think that's like what we're talking about with Miami. where like this is such a former <laughs> college athlete. take. Is that, college, is that not what most, normal people do? No, most normal people look in the, I mean, I'm just speaking for myself. Most normal people look in the mirror and just hate what they see regardless. Like, just all, I could have, have the any time where you're just life. like, no. you know what, man, this is, this is working. I'm doing well. Colin, why do you think I write for a living? Why don't you think I'm on TV? I don't like to look at myself. Oh, Sam. I beautiful. have a, I have a face for radio and that's why I'm doing this podcast. You're beautiful just the way you are. We're going to get you on TV. We're going to turn this into a video podcast just so people can see your face. I, you know what, Colin? If you can make that happen, by all means. But us normal people, those of us that did not go to Yale and play college ba- um, college baseball, most of us don't like what we see in the mirror. So well, I don't this like is what very I see much that. a college athlete take. Anyway, bad bad metaphor aside, I think it, your point could be accurate that they, they that Heat kind of have to look in the mirror and say like, oh, look in the mirror, look at that. Uh, what what do we exactly have with this team? How far away are we a competitor right now, or did we kind of play above our heads and um, I guess the only concern with with waiting on Lowry is if he gets to Philadelphia and he's like, I'm home. This is where I want to be for the rest of my career. You know, I guess it's a possibility. Right. But if that's the case, you still have max cap space and you're still Miami. Right. Like at that point, you just pivot to whoever else the second choice is. And maybe the second choice isn't Lowry, but like we'll get to the next guy. But maybe they just say, OK, we'll pay Victor Oladipo less. He's younger and we'll see if we can fix him. Now, that is the segue. Let's just talk about Oladipo then. So uh, he's on the Rockets uh, in theory. Um, he's probably not going to be there very long. Uh, we talked off the air about this, but it's kind of odd that the, the Rockets got Oladipo in that Harden deal, and now it looks like they're just going to let him go. So um, clearly things didn't work out. He, he turned down whatever extension they offered him. Um, they're terrible. It makes sense that Oladipo wanted to look elsewhere. Uh, Miami, as we mentioned, is on the list. The Knicks are on the list. But then there are also reports that those two teams are willing to wait uh, until the summer and just sign him as a free agent. So what do you think the trade market is for Oladipo based on what we've seen in the last, you know, however many months since he came back from that horrific quad injury? He just hasn't looked the same. But we, we also didn't really get a chance to see him. He was just starting to come back. Then he went to the bubble and that was weird. And now he's on this Rockets team that's terrible, and it's it's kind of been kind of hard to judge him. So where where do you put Oladipo's value at this point? I'll tell you exactly what the trade is going to be. All right, it's going it. to be a fake first round pick. There might be matching. Oh, there will be matching salary. There might be a decent player involved as that salary. There might be a young guy. The headliner of this trade, the press release, is going to say Rockets trade Victor Oladipo for first round pick. It's going to be a fake first round pick. 
There are going to be protections that are going to ensure that that pick never conveys, and it's going to turn into, let's say, two second-round picks. That's what it's going to be. I'm, I'm sorry. We've seen this with the Rockets enough times. They care enough about optics, and they're going to demand that. And you know what? Two second-round picks, maybe a bit low given the upside, but you have to re-sign Oladipo, or at least if you trade for him, presumably that's your plan. That's a risky contract. Like, frankly, in a year, he might be negative value, right? Like, you could argue that giving up two second-round pick form is probably, or not probably, but possibly a negative, because if you have him on a four-year, $90 million contract in six months, that might look untradeable if he gets hurt again. So it's high risk, high reward. I think if you're trading for him, you have to do it from the position of, we are not winning the championship this year unless we take a home run swing and it pans out. I don't know who the team is. I mean, we can talk about, like, what do the Knicks really get if they get Oladipo? They maybe get a long-term core piece, but I don't see it. Miami could maybe fix him, and that's probably why they're my favorite team for him. But I don't think he goes anywhere and, like, really changes things. Do you? The only thing, just when you you just said a team that knows it's not winning the championship unless they take a home run swing, and Boston just came to mind when you said that. It just seems like things are, are going south there. Can we point there. something out with Boston, by the way? <laughs> yeah. So if you if you were to read Boston writers, listen to Boston podcasts, just interact with the city of Boston anyway, you would think that they were like where Toronto is. You would think they were 10 games under 500. The season was a total loss. They're one game out of the four seed. That's it. And by the way, they almost made the finals last year. And you could argue if Gordon Hayward is healthy that entire series, they would have made it. I think that there is a lot of undue concern with Boston. I get where it's coming from. The flaws are there, but I think there is a reasonable chance that if you just give this team two healthy months, they just go, they win 70% of their games. And it's just like, oh, they're the four seed now. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see that. But I think it's also been clear that they just need someone else. They just need more wings. Uh, they, you know, you can't be playing Aaron Neesmith and, and Semi Ojale and guys like that. Like without Hayward, they just have kind of a, a gaping hole in the wing. So I don't, I don't think they're going to get Oladipo. I don't see why they would, but when you mentioned that like a team that might be looking like, Hey, you know, we need somebody. And Harrison Barnes was the guy for a long time that seemed like Boston wanted. It now sounds like according to reports that, that Sacramento is more than content hanging on to him. So if he's off the table and they kind of feel pressure to do something that, that this group isn't working, I mean, I could see it. You think it's a possibility. Remember when Harrison Barnes had one of the worst contracts in the NBA? Like, remember know, when right? that's the way we talked about him? We talked about him before this season. It's like, maybe that's a bad contract you could trade for Wiggins. I feel like <laughs> the Kings are getting, I feel like the Kings are getting a little too big for their britches here. I feel like they're really like holding on to their cards a bit too closely and not selling high. There are some other teams doing that. Like I wrote this last night for CBS. I think Detroit's kind of doing that with Jeremy Grant where like teams are offering the multiple first round picks for a guy that, I don't want to say they took a flyer on, but like a guy that they signed without the expectation that he would be this good, or at least without reasonable evidence suggesting he would be this good. There's a lot of evidence suggesting that Grant is now going to regress. His shooting numbers are trending way down. Yes. But Detroit is now thinking, no, no, we've hit a home run. He's our guy. We're keeping him. It doesn't really make sense. In general, if you're a bad team and you have a good player in their mid to late 20s, just trade them for picks. Like that's what you should be doing. By the way, do you know how old Jeremy Grant is? I just I wrote about him last. He's having 26, <laughs> 27. Like he's twenty seven. He just turned twenty seven. Do you know how old Harrison that, Barnes is? He's twenty eight. 
He's 28. Right, Harrison Barnes. Well, we're going to be doing this podcast in five years, and you're going to ask me how old he is, and I'm going to say 29, because that's what it is. 37. Well, it's like how Aaron Kraft played at Ohio State for 13 years. It's the same thing. He was still there this year, right? He had to have been. I I have to assume, like, this this must have been, like, his blue shirt senior year. Like, what's (laughs) beyond Well, the pandemic, you got an extra extra couple months of eligibility, just throw it in there. Well, and of course, as they did during his career, they lost in the first round. So there we go. This is not an anti-Ohio State podcast. I should just say that outright. I have no qualms with Ohio State. I didn't go to Michigan. I don't know why we went there, but you know what? Screw it. They choke in the tournament. One of my best friends is from Ohio. He's an Ohio State fan. He went there for grad school. So, uh, you know, he can suck it, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right. So Oladipo, we're saying... He's got, We're saying it's not going to be a issue. good idea for whoever does it. Let's just put right. it that way. And he's got to go somewhere, which is the problem. I mean, is there a world where it's just like the Rockets are like, we don't like any of these deals, but then they're going to lose them for nothing. So it's like, well, right. You <laughs> might as well just, you might as well trade him for a top 29 protected first round pick at that point. Ugh, like, man, you might as well just do it for the press release. Like you don't want to pay his salary the rest of the year. If you're going to let him walk anyway, you might as well get something. Yeah. So I guess I'm so, saying Heat, too. I, I guess Heat is the Heat's makes the, the most sense for him. I, I think Heat is the place that is likeliest to turn him back into the player he was with the Pacers. I don't know that that's that likely, period. But if I were to tell you what I think is most likely, I think he's going to be a Nick. At the trade deadline, not this summer. I think they are going to give up a fake first-round pick of some kind. Like Maybe they really protect one of the Dallas picks or something. I, I don't know how exactly they're going to do it. But I think the Knicks are going to look at this and they're going to say, this is a chance for us to get the first star in the building. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Like, no harm done. I think that's how they're going to view it. So that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, and it's a good call because, I mean, if if Oladipo ever does return to all-star form, I mean, that's an absolute bargain and a steal. So if you're a team like— Well, it depends on the contract, right? Like. Right. Like, what do you, you think he gets in free agency? Like, yeah. who's going to give him a four-year max or whatever <laughs> it is that he's looking for? I don't – like, I, I think I would be comfortable giving him, like, the Jeremy Grant contract, three years, 60. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I guess it's – I think, you know, whatever, wherever he ends up going, this could be, like, an audition, you know, the last few months of the season and, and potentially the playoffs where – you know, if, if the team sees glimpses of what we've seen in the past, and he's kind of a, you know, eye of the beholder type of player. Like when I watch him, I, I look at him, I'm like, I don't really, like, that's not really a guy I would want, I would covet. Um, Are you just but, talking about the Houston version? Because I'd agree. No, even even going back, well, okay, this is post-injury. So even going right. back to, right. to, to Indiana post-injury, um, he just, oh, aesthetically, he doesn't, it's not for me, but... That's well, not to say he's not for anybody. 2018, the the first Indiana year, he was an All NBA player. Like, let's not dismiss that. Right. That means something. Like, there's a reason teams kept signing Demarcus Cousins, right? Like, the upside was there. I could see honestly, like, what if Oladipo goes into free agency next year, doesn't get one big offer? Like, maybe he just takes the mid level exception to go to a contender and say, you know what, I'll try again in a year. I wouldn't be overly surprised by that. It's, I mean. Yeah, he's just, man, 40% from the field in Houston. Look, I I don't think that the old (laughs) Oladipo is in there. Like, I don't think we're ever going to see 2018 Victor Oladipo again. But I also think that the chance that you might is worth something. 
Yeah, and if it's the price that you're talking about, they'll have they'll have plenty of options. But moving on, uh, another guy in major headlines, especially recently, uh, Aaron Gordon. Finally, we can rejoice. It seems like he's going to be out of Orlando. Apparently, he requested a trade in like February. Nobody said anything about Did it. Did they specify which year? <laughs> they, <laughs> it's a great question. Been, it's been like February 2016 is when this started, if we're being when honest. When was he drafted again? <laughs> 2015. All right. That's, well, yeah, okay. That's Before Side note, just tying in Oladipo for a second. There were those reports that the Rockets want Aaron Gordon, and maybe they end up trading for him. That is getting dangerously close to intentionally reassembling the 2015 Orlando Magic. Like, that's not a goal you should have as a team. That's not something you should be trying to do. I don't know. If you're the Rockets, why are you trying to get Aaron Gordon? Like, what is that doing for you? I guess they figure he's young and he's under contract for, I think he's a free agent after next year. You know what? He'll just leave. Yeah. It's such a weird. It's DeAndre Drummond trading, basically. It's trading for a guy that you don't need, that doesn't want to be there, that's just going to (laughs) be comfortable for everybody involved. Yeah, I love that report, too. It's like Aaron Gordon demanded a trade. He doesn't want to go to the Rockets. (laughs) Poor By the way, Rockets nobody fans. wants to go to the Rockets. I'll Poor just say, I don't want to go to the Rockets. Hey, let Kevin Porter Jr. cook a little bit. Christian Wood, give him give him his late late game touches like he's complaining about. Let John Wall sit. Team. I don't appreciate Christian Wood. Yeah, John Wall's going to get his knee procedure. Oladipo is going to be gone. They're going to be a lot more fun in, in the coming months. They're, they're not going to win much, but they're going to be more fun. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Christian Wood's ankle is going to flare up in about, I'm going to say, nine days, something like that. What they did you still need to keep that pick. There was a uh, – <laughs> um, I, I look at Roto World because, as everyone knows in this podcast, I'm a daily fantasy sports junkie. And I look at Roto World every day, and, and the Thunder sat out Lou Dort for their last game. And it was the game after he saved the Rockets game by blocking John Wall. And, like, he hit a big three, too, or something like that. So they sat him out, and for Roto World, they gave the reason as Lou Dort – tank violator out for Wednesday's game. So I thought that was hilarious. We can talk about this another time, but I just want to point out up until tonight, they tied it tonight, but Oklahoma city was ahead of new Orleans in the standings. Like they're too good to tank. There any chance down the line that they say like in the off season, we really want to tank, but we can't because Shea Gildas Alexander is too good. Should we trade him for like the number three pick or something? He's so good. Is Shea Gildas Alexander better than Paul George? Like, forget, like, potential, like, right now. Wait, are you saying better player, or who would I rather have? No, like, it, like who is a better player right Paul now? Paul George is a better player. Like, if I'm trying to are, win the championship. Are we, sh- are we sure about that? Yes. And I'll give you two words. Scarcity value. That's it. I'd much rather have a wing who's as good as Paul George than a guard who's as good as Shea Gilbert Alexander. All right, man. I'm just watching Shea at the end of games, and I'm watching Paul George at the end of games. And I, I think now, I know who I'd rather have. If you ask me who would I rather have building a franchise, I might take Shea Gildas just because that's the 22-year-old versus the 30-year-old. And one of them's on a rookie deal and the other is a five-year max. Like, that that's a real conversation. But who's better he's, right now? He's Paul really, George. really good. I think you're forgetting, like, we do this every year. Paul George is really good. Shea Gildas Alexander is really good. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Paul George went toe-to-toe with LeBron in the conference finals. Like, don't forget that. We always forget that, and like, sure, what, there are what the year, memes what year was that? to talk about him. What year was that? That was 13. <laughs> Seven years ago. You, has he gotten worse since then? Am I missing something? Like, he's been on the All-Star team every year. He's the same guy. Pandemic P. I'm down. I'm so down. The, the pandemic's over, man. People are getting their shots. 
That's true. We can't. We well, gotta come, come up with a, with a new P. nickname. <laughs> February P with a PH. Yeah. Anyway, we've we've gotten way off track. We haven't even talked about Aaron Gordon. That was the whole point. Um, right, right. So uh, Boston has reportedly offered multiple first rounders. Do you, do you buy that? I would be open to that, assuming the other version of this trade that we've heard is Marcus Smart. And like, I'll just make this perfectly clear. If Boston trades Marcus Smart, they're getting worse. I don't care who they're getting. Like, I don't care if it's Gordon. I don't care if it's Gordon and Fournier. They need Marcus Smart. Heart and soul of the team, obviously. Underrated offensive player. Their offense is always better with him on the floor, regardless of how well he's shooting. One of the he's best. The only, one, only one in the team who can pass. He's the only one in the team who can pass. And by the way, that takes us back to Aaron Gordon. Poor Aaron Gordon has spent his entire career with, like, think of the point guards he's had. Alfred Payton, DJ Augustine. Markel Fultz. I could just throw out names. and Michael get, Carter-Williams now. If I said, like, oh, yeah, his rookie year, he played with Speedy Claxton, would Ooh. you argue that? Like, I could throw out any name and you'd buy it because his point cards have been <laughs> yeah. bad. Like, Howard Isley. The other, the alternative for him is Denver, where, like, that's basketball nirvana. You're playing with Jokic and Murray. And we're going to subject this guy to Boston, stagnant, nobody passes offense. Like, Let's get this guy to a team that can move the ball, please. Like, let's get him to Denver. I love Denver for him. That is my my best fit by far. Um, I think he fills that. We've talked about that Jeremy Grant role uh, that they kind of miss along three, four. Well, he's more of a four than a three, but can play the three if they have to. Um, a good alternative to Michael Porter Jr. when you want someone who can actually play defense and, uh, you know, do some other stuff. So um, I love Denver. I don't know, is the deal just the standard Gary Harris, Will Barton, R.J. Hampton, Bull Bull yeah. thing? Maybe maybe it's Paul Millsap as the cap filler. Maybe somebody really wants Will Barton and they can three-way. Like, it's one of the old guard nuggets for Gordon, and I assume that Orlando's getting picks in this scenario. Maybe Hampton, maybe Bull Bull, maybe Zeke Nagy, who, man, Zeke Nagy's good. Like, if you're not watching hey, Denver's... I- I get it, but Zikachi's good. I talked to his uh, trainer before the draft, and uh, he was he was hyping him up, man, saying he, he got big, put on some muscle. He's thought he was going to be a player. Obviously, every trainer is going to say about that, <laughs> that about all their players. But he also had Tyrese Halliburton, and he couldn't stop raving about him. He's been pretty good too. So. Well, by the way, like everybody who's met Tyrese Halliburton was raving about Halliburton. Like that yeah, was right? the secret. That and was went, like Donovan Mitchell. What oh, like twelfth in the draft? <laughs> we go through this every year, where we after the draft. There's one guy who is so obviously great. CJ McCollum was like this that goes in like the 10 to 15 range. Donovan but Mitchell. But if you look at Donovan Mitchell was another one, yeah, where it's not necessarily that you know that they're a great player, but you read all of the character stories beforehand about like, oh, this guy pulled me out of a burning car. Like, <laughs> you know, this guy, he broke our GPA record, like all of this, all that. Like, where's the dog, character the stuff? Fit. Right. The character stuff is so overwhelming that like, shit, we should have known. Um, yeah, that was Tyrese Halliburton this year, and he still managed to go, what, 12th? Yeah. Well, there were some, I heard some rumblings that there was kind of a, like he wanted to go to Sacramento. I don't know how true that is, but. Um, uh, who, has that ever been true of anybody? I think they, he wanted to play with De'Aaron Fox and, you know, whatever. I don't know. Who is, who is Sacramento named after? Like, is there a Robert Sacramento in the 1800s? Bobby Sacramento. I well, like, I, I don't know who it would be, but even that guy didn't want to be in Sacramento. He probably founded Sacramento because he couldn't be in San Francisco. 
Jeez, so you're just slandering Ohio State and Sacramento, just taking them both down. I'm in a grumpy mood today. I don't know what it is. What do you want to go after next? Like, I just want to point out. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You want to take a couple shots at them? The Kings drafted Marvin Bagley number two overall because Luka Doncic didn't want to go there. And now you're telling me somebody did want to go there. Like, their franchise is defined by how few people actually want to go there. By the way, Kings trying to trade Marvin Bagley, they can't, can't even do it for the number 19 pick this year. They this couldn't so, trade him for Sadiq Bey. This is so sad. I love Sadiq Bey as much as the next guy. but I'd rather have Sadiq Bey than Marvin Bagley, and I wouldn't even think about it. Come on. You can't even. That's just, it was such a depressing report. Like, well, the Kings are trying to trade Marvin Bagley, but they, they offered him for Sadiq Bey, and the Pistons were like, nope, hang up the phone. Well, like, what are the Pistons going to do with Marvin Bagley? Like, they just had old, broken-down Marvin Bagley and Blake Griffin. Like, clearly, they think Jeremy Grant is their long-term four. Bagley's been not bad this year. And I guess he, he hasn't really been bad at all. He just doesn't play defense, and he can't really play center, which is a problem. But Those are two important things. By the way, what do we always talk about on the show? Everybody is a center. I'm a center. You're a center. If he's not a center, he's not that valuable. He, he, he could be a center, in theory. And he's shooting he better from well three. Center? I don't think shooting so. Shooting better from three. Um, I don't know. I'm not out. He just Luke Walton doesn't really play him a lot. He plays like 25 minutes a game. I know it's because he's got a lot of injuries, but like I would love to see him on a bad team where he could just like like let's just play 36 minutes a game and see what you can do, man. We've gone way far off track again. Who are we talking Going about? Going back to Aaron Gordon. Aaron, Aaron Gordon, Gordon was where we started. My question to you about Aaron Gordon. Let's say hypothetically, like let's simplify this trade as much as possible. Aaron Gordon into the Gordon Hayward trade exception, two first-round picks go to Orlando. Let's say it's that simple. At that point, Boston has functionally traded Gordon Hayward for Aaron Gordon, and they've given up two first-round picks in the deal. What do you think about that transaction? I think it's best not to think about those things. I think think you have to look at the team about where it is right now and what you can do moving forward. You start looking backwards, particularly with Boston and all these draft picks they had, you, you get yourself in some downward spot. Well, I'm just, do you think they're improved with Gordon versus Hayward? Like, who would well, you rather yeah, they have? That, I mean, I don't think it was really up to it. It seemed like Hayward wanted to leave, right? Right, but I'm just saying, contract. hypothetically um, speaking, do you think, yeah. like, the Gordon version is better or the the Hayward version is better? Hayward. Hayward seems Hayward's, to be like exactly what they're missing. Right. Hayward is a better fit. They clearly need the playmaking element. I will say... With his age, with his injuries, he is so much more expensive than Gordon. At least right now, we don't know what Gordon's next contract is going to look like. I get the idea of you have now pushed your timeline back a little bit, which that's all Boston does. Like, that's every year. It's always pushing back a little bit. So if you get Gordon, you're at least thinking we have like five years of Tatum, Brown, Gordon, Smart. Of We have four guys in their 20s. We can go. We can go to war with those guys. With Hayward, you just never knew if he was going to play. So even if um, Gordon is a worse player, I think I would rather have his durability given the star power they already have. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And I, again, it, I don't want to compare it to Hayward. I think, I think it's as a franchise moving forward, having a guy like Gordon is is really good. I would slowly roll a little bit on the durability though. This guy's been injured a little bit over the last few years, and that's you know, fair. Yeah. Um, Hayward he's, is, 20, he's 25 years old, though, so whatever. Hayward's injury history is a lot scarier. Right. And also, like, Orlando's medical history in general is not great. So I might just say get him out of Orlando, and that probably <laughs> works a little bit. Plus, just 
athletically speaking, I'm thinking of lineups with Gordon and Robert Williams. Like that's really fun. Oh man. There's a lot of leaping in that too. <laughs> I've been watching the time Lord dude. This guy, he's got something. He can pass a little bit. He, I am he, no longer he knows what he's doing a lot more than I, I thought. I am no longer constructing fake center trades for Boston. Like I, I think he's it. That's their center. Wow. Heard it here first. Miles Turner. See you later. Well, okay, if they could get Miles Turner, I would still get <laughs> Miles right. Turner. Like, I'd I'd, Miles I'd, Turner. Yeah, I'd rather have Miles Turner than Robert Williams. Like, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. But side note, another Boston report we saw today. Do you see this from KOC that apparently the Boston locker doesn't like Tristan Thompson? I mean, I could see that. This is news to me. I thought everybody, like everybody in Cleveland loved it. Uh, yes, uh, he did have, you know... I don't know if you read TMZ that he treated Chloe a little, you know, he's kind of a dog. So I could see how, how his teammates might, might pile on him for that. The Kardashian family, their the Kardashian respect. extended universe has not been kind to professional athletes. So I, I'm not going to ding him too much for the things involving them, but I do not keep up with the tabloids. So you don't I keep cannot up speak with you specifically. The Kardashians. No, I'm not going to say yeah, we're better yeah, than that. This is yeah. a very pun-friendly show. Yeah. I think we're better than that. We've already said look in the mirror and keeping up with the Kardashians. So I think we're better than that. Yeah. Well, so but anyway, yeah. Denver but do they, they want to get rid of Tristan Thompson? Was that the report? I don't know if the, they're just open to it. This sounds to me like the sort of you know how whenever any player in any sport leaves Boston, they do the whole like the drag through like there's always the story in, there's the story in x newspaper well you know nobody there's really always the, the big expose like i'm not going to name names we all know who it is um th- there's always the slander after guys leave it seems like they're setting up for that yeah i can see that and as you mentioned uh time lord's playing a lot better so anything to free up more minutes for him is probably a good thing um to wrap up aaron gordon uh, i think we both want the nuggets do we think they're more likely than the Celtics. It seems like at this point, the Celtics might have a, a more attractive package. I think if they're really willing to give up Marcus Smart, like kudos to them, go get your guy. But if it's just straight up picks from Boston versus picks from Denver, Boston still has the advantage though, because of the trade exception, right? Like Orlando probably wants to save money. That's a surprisingly expensive team. I hope Denver can pull it off though, because Denver's the better fit. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, another player, this guy is just, it, it, you can't list the possible teams that are interested in him because it's basically everyone in the league uh, has had a report saying they're interested. And that's Alonzo Ball, the guy who, uh, you know. Can we go through each of the reported teams, by the way? I have five here. Do you Tell have them listed? I have Philly from today, um, Denver from somewhere in the past. Chicago and Atlanta was a report. Um, the Clippers were a report. The Warriors in the past. I mean, who am I forgetting? There, there's got to be the Knicks. Knicks, um, absolutely. Uh, probably some Celtics in there somewhere. Well, the Celtics are interested in everybody. Like, did you know the Celtics are interested in you? I so close. They I were got an email from them, but it went to my spam folder, and I haven't responded yet. It said it was from Dan Ainge. I don't know. Right. At AOL.com. It's an AOL address. <laughs> um, yeah, they offered us two first-round picks, but we couldn't make the cap numbers work. So that's why you're still at CBS. That's true. Um, so, yeah, everybody wants Lonzo Ball. Tell me who your best fit is because I guarantee you we don't agree. Yeah. Uh, it's just tough because uh, I, I – okay. I need to say that I don't like this fit, but I think for what this team is trying to accomplish, he is the right fit. 
and that's the Golden State Warriors. And I mean, I, I, I agree. I think that'd be a yeah. great. Because ideally, I think they need someone who can create their own shot and kind of lead the second unit. And I don't think Lonzo's that guy. But I think of Lonzo and Draymond Green on the court next to Steph Curry, and it, it makes me drool what they could do offensively. And Klay Thompson, obviously, when he comes back. So um, if they can resign him, which hopefully any team trading for him probably thinks that they're going to be able to to resign him. So um, I, I I would love him in Golden State. Uh, I don't think it's exactly what I would pick for them, but I think that that's the type of player that they they really want. And Steve Kerr would have a lot of fun with. I love the idea of like he, he's not a completely similar player to Sean Livingston. Like he's not pulling off the mid-range jumpers, but I like the idea of the like weird backup point guard that can also play along staff. The IQ, like you said, like he's Steve Kerr's dream player. Um, I, I think the fit is the fit's great. And if you took Sean Livingston and like brought him in the league now, this is probably like he would learn how to shoot threes and you know do all that stuff. Is there any part of you that, or rather, is there any part of the Warriors that you think is thinking, we missed out on one ball, we've got to get the other? <laughs> a ball in the hand is worth two. <laughs> By the um, way, they could have, if they just taken LaMelo and made all the other moves, they could have traded for Lonzo afterward. And we could have gotten Lonzo, LaMelo, Curry, like all that on the Warriors now. That would be, that would be too much. I'm still, uh, I'm still on Wiseman Island. I, I, I think... You know, the the Warriors and people around the Warriors will be quick to throw out the, hey, he's only playing 20 minutes a game. Look at the stats. It's the same as all these great big men and everything. Um, I, I do think he's probably going to be better than most people give him credit for. Um, and I don't know how LaMelo would fit with the Warriors. I know he's really, really, really good. Who cares? I know, I know. Um, but I, well, I guess what I'm saying is I don't, I wouldn't say that they made the wrong decision yet. I think LaMelo is so good that any team that feasibly had a chance to get him, like, it's sort of like the Luka draft too, where like, you know, Trey Young is very good. I'm not going to say that Atlanta like ruined their franchise by taking Trey Young over Luka Doncic. They were probably wrong, right? Like Luka is better than Trey. Like no matter what James Wiseman is, and I think he could be a very good player, LaMelo is like special right. like that you don't get another chance to take well they get a chance to take lonzo so you know do you have a team that that's not the warriors who you like lonzo this is going to be and there have been a couple of tirades on this episode i don't know why i'm in i'm in an angry mood today you're gonna go after another city i'm not gonna go after a city i'm gonna go after a team the best fit for lonzo ball is the new orleans pelicans i don't know why they're thinking about trading him i think this is based in the idea that the Lonzo, Zion, Ingram core, like if they're paying all three of them like close to max money, you don't want to do that for a core that's losing as much as this one is. My counterpoint is fix everywhere else on the roster. You have a million other assets. Go fix the other guys. Lonzo and Zion have fit together beautifully. Lonzo's shooting has really come along. He has been exactly the player that they want him to be. I don't get this. Why are they trying to trade him? What do they have to gain by not having Lonzo Ball on their roster? This is so funny. I have this like spreadsheet with all these guys listed out and their teams and possible destinations, and I have a little note section. And in my note section for Lonzo Ball, it says, "Why give him up?" Right. <laughs> so it makes no sense. We are on the same page. I, I and you know, hot take here. 
If you're going to trade one of those guys, how about trading Brandon Ingram? I, I, I was going to get to that. I know he's really good, but like I watch him and Zion on the floor, and I'm just like, eh, I don't see it. Like, there's no better partner for Zion than Lonzo Ball. You know, is there, a, is there a player in the entire NBA that is more obsessed with their own bag than Brandon Ingram? It's hard to watch sometimes, and like I know he's he's it's. I can understand why. See, Zach Levine is kind of like this, or at least he used to be, where it's like you're so talented and you're so gifted athletically and you can do so many things with the ball that like, I get why you would want to do that and show off and do your fake spins and turnarounds and pull-ups and all this stuff. But eventually it's just like, all right, man, like let's keep the ball moving or, or shoot it, you know, and maybe he'll get there. But I do think that, that the fit, uh, it's weird because on paper, like that's a guy you would want next to Zion is another playmaker, another guy who can get his shot and they can kind of, they stagger them like they do. Um, but for some reason, when they're on the court together, to me, it seems like it's not working. I don't have the numbers next to me, but if you're going to trade one of those guys, I, I, I mean, maybe they have, but I would look into seeing what you could get for Ingram. I agree. I think they could get a lot more for him because there are teams that would look for him and just say, oh, 23, 24-year-old? I think he's 24. 24-year-old all-star. Very hard to fill position. He's a small forward. I just look at it and I say, like, I hate to say this because he's still so young. And, like, I've seen him play great defense. When he was on the Lakers, like, he locked up Luka for a whole half. He locked up C.J. McCollum for most of the game. Like, I've seen him play great defense. He is not playing great defense in New Orleans. I've seen him play something close to point guard. He's not playing that well. Like, he's not distributing the ball that well. He might be a good stats bad team guy. Like, I I don't want to draw that conclusion. I'm not saying that definitively, but I think that's the likeliest outcome. I think his destiny is to do his super long protracted possessions on a team with low stakes. And, you know, and it could be like work both ways where he gets out of new Orleans because like, it seemed like when Zion was out, like that's when he ascended and was like, okay, Oh, well, Brandon, Brandon Ingham's like a thing. Like he's really good. And now since Zion's been back, it's just so abundantly clear that this is Zion's team. And he's just a, an incredible offensive player. He's basically playing point guard now. And it's like, this is who you need to build this team around. Brandon Ingram, as good as he is, I think he might even be better off just going to another team, whether it's a bad team like you're talking about where he can kind of do his thing or you know, playing a, a slightly different role on a, on a better team or whatever. But it might be one of those situations where both teams benefit. But obviously but the Pelicans don't need to go there yet. But What you know. are you if Brandon Ingram is your best player? Because I think the dream scenario for Ingram is to be the best player on a team. You're going to win 28 games if Brandon Ingram's your best player. Now... I, I think it's a shame, though, because when you're right, he did ascend without Zion. But I wrote this story early last season, and the headline was Brandon Ingram is turning into a star by playing more like a role player. It was a lot more catch and shoot threes. It was a lot less dribbling, a lot several fewer isolations. Like he was starting to look like a team player. And then Zion came back and it kind of went away. It's also you also have to look at the Stan Van Gundy thing that whole both sides of offense and defense just seems like they have been completely out of sorts this year. I would imagine playing offense under Alvin Gentry is probably a little bit more fun. Uh, so that I mean, the offense has been it. good. Yeah. Want to hear a mind blowing stat that I just dug up tonight? I love mind blowing stats. Eight of the 10 best offenses in NBA history are playing this season in terms of offense eight? rating. Eight wow. of the 10 most efficient the eighth, the number eight offense this year is Phoenix. They are tied with, I guess that would mean eight of the 11, but they're tied with the 2019 Rockets at 114.9 offensive rating. 
The Pelicans are in seventh. They are more efficient than any offense in NBA history up until last season, and they're in the lottery. That's See, how that's, messed up their defense is. Yeah, that's what I was looking at because uh, I think uh, the last time I checked, I think it was six teams that were on pace to be the to beat la- the last year's Mavericks, which Five are the best right now. of all time. I mean, and it's just I think wild, number six man. is really close. Like this is the best offensive season in NBA history. So. Well, I'm teams are shooting like like 38% from three, like as a whole, like as a league on like 35 attempts a game. It's it's crazy. Like the, I'm really curious where the NBA is going to go because. And meanwhile, uh, the Pelicans are doing this because of Zion, because Zion is so special. It's not because of everybody else. Now, Lonzo shooting as well as he has, has made things a lot easier for Zion. But this all stems out of Zion. Agreed. And I do think. Uh, you know, like I said, my best fit for him is the Warriors. I, I agree with you that if the Pelicans, I don't see why they're trading him. But if they want to and they want to move on, I would like to see him on the Warriors just because I watch that team a lot. And it's even with the Jordan Poole, you know, ascension, teams would scoff at me or uh, fans would scoff at me if I said that Lonzo Ball would take Jordan Poole's minutes at this point. But um, I think he's exactly what they need. Can we touch on a couple of the other destinations before we move on? Philly, the idea of Ben Simmons and Lonzo Ball together is so funny. Like, imagine just two guys whose narratives for most of their career was the same thing, right? Like, super high IQ, great passers, not as good in the half court, can't shoot. Lonzo has obviously shed that label. Uh, I I just think that would be really funny. And then I also want to mention Denver just because – you imagine Jokic and Lonzo together. Like, oh my goodness! My God, the the passing and the IQ. Like Denver's offense is already just terrific to watch, and like I don't think we talk enough about Jamal Murray and the weird two man game he has with Jokic, where like you can watch a lot of those possessions where Jokic is standing in one spot with the ball, and it sort of looks like Jamal Murray is on a string, like running around like some <laughs> sort of yo-yo. Like man, that that offense is such a blast to watch, and if you put Lonzo in there with them, like. Man, like that would be so cool. But yeah, and he'd probably help defensively. Less Faku Composo minutes. Right. As somebody who is really invested in Zion's success and wants to see the Pelicans be like a really good team soon because Zion is so fun to watch, just keep him. Like, please don't trade him. If I had to guess, where would you guess? I don't want to be the first to make the guess. Oh. Alonzo Ball. I mean, can I guess the Pelicans? Yeah, because that's my guess. Okay, yeah, that's what I would say. I think I they're going to take so... the restricted free agency. I think he's going to get big offers, and I think what's going to happen is he's going to do the Gordon Hayward thing where he takes the short deal with the option at the end so he can get out as soon as possible if that's what he wants. Mm. So I, I wish they would just keep him and give him whatever it takes to keep him for the long haul. Lonzo and Zion are what matter in New Orleans. Like, if you're a Pelicans fan, just everything else is disposable. Everything else, like, in the in the next three years, maybe the entire rest of the roster should be changed. Those two should be in place. I do like Denver, though. You know, when you were talking about that, I was getting kind of excited. If he does get traded, what do you think is the likeliest destination? The Knicks? We can't say the Knicks for everybody. I'm I, mean, at, I, well, I mean, I'm looking at the contenders, and I just don't know. Like you said, Philly, no. Brooklyn, no. Milwaukee, no. Miami, probably not. 
I like the Atlanta Utah. Fans. No, Phoenix. No, Clippers. No, Lakers. No. You know, it's just like you run down the teams, and it's like there really aren't a whole lot of contenders that could use him. I liked the Atlanta fit for a few reasons. Number one, Cam Radish played with Zion at Duke. Zion. I mean, I'm not gonna say Zion has intel on him, but like, if Zion <laughs> wants to play with Reddish and he makes that clear to the front office, like, okay, that could make some sense. You can never have enough forwards. Um, I like the idea of him with Trey Young, two great passers, but. I think he's the sort of passer that could make Trey Young move off the ball a bit more. Like Bogdan Bogdanovich is a very good passer. He's not a contagious passer in the way that Lonzo is. So I I think that would be helpful for Trey Young. But the Hawks are playing so well right now, they might just not want to mess with anything. And the Hawks are getting expensive too, right? Like they have John Collins to resign this offseason. So if I were to pick a best fit of a trade, I would probably say Atlanta, but I think I hope he stays put. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned two guys who are also on the reportedly on the trade block, or at least in conversations, John Collins and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Can they trade Bogdan back to the Kings for Buddy Heald? Can they, is that, so is that legal? I don't know. I don't want to dig into this. I don't want to think about <laughs> back to the Kings. That would just my be Bogdan so Bogdanovich trade, I came up with this tonight. Here's my strategy. The Lakers trade KCP to the Hawks, and then they trade Montrezl Harrell to the Hornets. The Hornets and the Hawks swap first-round picks. So Atlanta probably moves up. Right now, it's right now Atlanta's in fourth and Charlotte is in seventh in the East. So like when that evens out, I'd probably say that's like a six to eight slot jump up for them. And then the Lakers get Bogdanovich. What do you think of that? I mean, I think it's great for the Lakers. Well, what do you have against it for the Hawks? You're getting off of a four-year deal for a guy who's a big injury risk right now. You literally just signed him. Why did they you sign him? They tried to sign KCP. <laughs> they try like they're basically they're they're saying, look, swing and a miss. It's not that it was a bad signing, but we have enough on offense. Let's get better on defense. Like Let's four get a cheaper ago. contract. They tried to sign KCP and they couldn't. By the way, KCP signed before Bogdanovich did. Maybe if they had signed KCP, they wouldn't have signed Bogdanovich. I guess, but. Yeah, I would like to see him actually play basketball for a while before I make that determination. That's just me. I don't know how healthy it is. So, like, look, if it turns out he's not healthy, the Lakers can't afford to get somebody who's out for the year. I mean, he's not out for the year, but, like, they can't afford to take a real health risk right now. If they're making a big trade, they have to rely on whoever it is that they're getting. But I think that solves a lot of the Lakers shooting issues. You know, I think they assume that they're getting Drummond. And if you think you're getting Drummond, then you got to look at Harrell as a trade chip because there's no reason to have Harrell, Gasol, and Drummond. Yeah, you're all on that Harrell, uh, trade Harrell bandwagon. I, I see you, I see you pumping it on Twitter. Like, this is clearly a hard time for him. Like, he's made no bones about that on Twitter. I mean, maybe not talking about the trade specifically, but, like, this, he's had a hard time since his grandma died before the bubble. Like, I, I feel bad about it, but I'm sorry. It's the be- in the best interest of the Lakers. There's no reason— yeah, we've talked there's about no, it because of the salary he's going to command. Right. Yeah, there's number one, they can't resign him, or they're probably not going to be able to resign him because they can only offer up to a 20% raise. So he's probably leaving in free agency. But even if he doesn't, there is no reason for a team that has Anthony Davis playing a significant chunk of center minutes in the playoffs to have Marcus All, Andre Drummond, and Montrez Harrell. You can't trade Marcus All for anything because he's making the minimum. And you're getting Andre Drummond. So, like, you might just say, let's not sign Andre Drummond. I, for one, am happy to sign starting caliber players for free. So that leaves Harrell as the trade chip. He's one of only five players on the team to make more than $4 million. So if you're getting somebody, you have to give up one of those five guys. It's not going to be LeBron. 
It's not going to be AD. So you're looking at Schroeder, KCP, or Harrell. I don't think Schroeder is likely, so KCP and Harrell are the two. If you can give up both of them, fill a major need, and then replace one on the buyout market, I say you go for it. Sam Quinn challenging Rob Polinka to the general managership of the Lakers. We're gonna we're gonna get to another Lakers thing that's coming up. Um, you want to just you want to get to Malcolm Brogdon? Let's get to it. Let's get into it. I don't know why the Pacers have him available. We don't know like are they really shopping him or are they just listening to Listen, offers? Listening to offers. We're we're yeah. open to discussions. The reporting we have from Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo Sports, like he's legit. If he says they're listening to offers, they're listening to offers. Brian Windhorst on ESPN today says that the Lakers are looking for a wing, but they're not willing to give up Taylor Horton Tucker or draft picks. If you can get Malcolm Brogdon, you give up Taylor Horton Tucker at draft picks. I have nothing else to say. Malcolm Brogdon is about as perfect a fit for the Lakers as you could ask for. Can play on or off the ball, very good defender. The only question is the injuries. And, I mean, yeah, that's a risk, but we, we've seen how good would the Bucks be if they just kept Malcolm Brogdon. He's really important. It probably helped that he like he lit up the Lakers like the last time that they played. I forget how many points he had, but he, he made like seven threes or something. And I feel like teams like remember that. It was like the Clippers just kept signing people who played well against them. This is the Doc Rivers school yeah. of team building. Just <laughs> add players. Did he give – who was it? Was it Costa Kufos? No, I don't think that's who it was. I know Byron paid, Mullins maybe? They paid Tim Thomas after he killed him with the Suns, and then they paid Josh Smith after he killed him with the Rockets, and both those guys ended up being terrible, so – those this are the ones was, I always remember. Big, I think it was Byron Mullins. For, Doc Rivers was infamous, infamous for this. Um, but, I mean, Bogdan Bogdanovich would be another case for the Lakers. Who, he is the one of the biggest Laker killers in the NBA. Hit a huge buzzer beater against them a few years ago. Like, whenever he plays them, he scores 30. So, I, I just, if you could get Brogdon, I think Brogdon is the sort of player you just say, whatever we had planned, we're putting that on the back burner because Brogdon is good enough. Like, he's a borderline all-star He's exactly a perfect fit alongside LeBron. I say, if you can get him, you should. But what do you think the Pacers, like, let's say they are listening to offers. What do you think they're trying to get out of Malcolm Brogdon? It's a great question. And you kind of look at, like, okay, so if they trade Brogdon, like, you know, more ball handling for Karis LeVert, uh, I guess, like, maybe last year you would say that, like, okay, now Aaron Holiday can step up, but he hasn't been very good this year at all. He's on the block for a first-round pick. I'm just going to throw out the easiest trade of the deadline. This makes so much sense for both sides. Aaron Holiday for the Houston second-rounder that Milwaukee has, which is like number 31 or 32. Sure. He's done. So call it in. I could watch Aaron Holiday play on the on the Rockets. They need another guard with DJ Augustine gone. They need young talent because they gave so much of it away. Like I, I think that's the easiest trade of the deadline. Yeah. Do you think – I mean, I don't know if the Lakers have a, a first-round pick available, but – yeah, so Brogdon probably fetches a first-round pick, right? Brogdon? Oh, if Brogdon, you got to give up, like, something legit. Like, I think if the Lakers were to do it, it would have to be matching salary, which, God, I, how much does Brogdon make? He's, like, 20-something. Yeah, I can look it up while you're talking. So, let's say, I mean, to match him, you probably have to give up KCP and Harold just to start. Yeah, 20.7 million. The Lakers would have to give up KCP and Harold just to match him, which is already a lot. So maybe you get some value out of that. But if I were the Pacers and I'm offering Brogdon to the Lakers, I'm saying you have to give me THT and you have to give me the 2027 first round pick unprotected. And I don't know if the Lakers would do that. It seems right now that they wouldn't. But personally, I would. Well, the reason that they might not do it is because there's another point guard available named George Hill. 
who also fills kind of mini mini Brogdon all those you know same needs in the older not as consistent package. I don't think LeBron. I think LeBron had enough the first time. I don't think LeBron. He, he missed that one free throw, yeah. and all of a sudden LeBron doesn't want him on the team. He shot 35 percent during that whole stretch in Cleveland. It's not like he was great for them. 35. So is this, on- is this a thing? Like, is this a real thing? You think? Like, like well, Churchill not- is clearly a player that could help that team. Right. I'm not saying like they shouldn't trade for him, but something that I've noticed is with LeBron, you can tell pretty quickly whether he trusts a guy or not, like especially with shooters. I'm not, I'm not the first person to say this, but Jay Crowder was a clear instance of he started off really slowly in Cleveland and LeBron just lost faith in him. I, I just I maybe I, he's a fit, I guess, but it didn't seem like he was comfortable playing alongside LeBron is all. Can, how about the Clippers? Can the Clippers get George Hill? Um, is there really I, a point the to that? Clippers like, need, I, the Clippers need something, man. I just, they just watch them. I'm like, eh, they, they, do. they don't got it. I think Aaron Holiday could help them, but can I just eh. what's the point of getting them George Hill? The things that they're lacking, less they Reggie need like Jackson? a traditional point guard. Anything for well, less Reggie Jackson. Well, no, I'm not saying like George Hill <laughs> could play for them and he'd play well, but they never get to the basket and they need somebody who can like play traditional point guard and set them up in, in crunch time. That's not George Hill. George Hill is a three and D player masquerading as a point guard. Yeah. Like George Hill you. should go to like Miami could really use George Hill. Like a team looking for a three and D guy could use George Hill. And I'm not saying the Clippers shouldn't try to get him, but I think they should be looking more for like a downhill driver. Who's that? I mean, who they, there could, isn't who a they could actually like, afford. Right. Like that we're, we're seeing they're trying to get Ricky Rubio, like Ricky Rubio. Ain't that guy. There you go. I mean, how ambitious could they get if they, like, maybe if they're willing to give up Zubats today? We haven't really talked about Norm Powell. He's not a point guard, but, like, Powell okay. shoots really well and can also okay. attack the basket. Like, that maybe that's me a little excited, yeah. I mean, I don't think they're going to give up Zubats. Like, I think they, they look at Zubats as their center of the future. I think they need right now to disabuse themselves of the notion that anybody aside from Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is essential. I think they have to be willing to do anything and everything to make an upgrade because this team doesn't have it. Uh, I tend to agree with you, which is very sad. I feel bad for the Clippers. All right, we should wrap this up. We're going to be on it. We're going to do another one before the trade deadline so we can hit anything that we missed today. Any, any last news and notes before we, we call it a night? I'm sort of flabbergasted by this whole Pacers thing. I know we talked about it a little bit, but like, I, I don't get what they think they would accomplish by getting rid of Brogdon. Like, if you're making a big trade, it should be one of the centers, right? I mean, that's been, but, but, well, you know, let's zag. Why not? <laughs> Everybody thought they were what if we get those another two guys center? together. Well, you were Here's talking about getting Harold. So like, every bring team him, that, bring him aboard. Every, team, every team that wants to trade for a center wants to trade for Miles Turner. The Pacers can't trade for Miles Turner because they already have him. What's the equivalent? Like, what's the next center they can trade for? The one that uh, everybody wants? Oh, here's the Sam Quinn center they should trade for. Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell? Tristan Thompson's available. How about that? Tristan Thompson is available. <laughs> um, I, I just – and also, I think Indiana has a better thing going that maybe they realize. Like, Harris LeVert was out for most of the season. TJ Warren is still hurt. I hope that they give this team, the one they have now, a chance to get healthy – and like really evaluate it because I think when they have everyone together, that could be like a 51 team. Like yeah, that could be something good. pretty TJ McConnell's playing the best yeah. basketball of his life. I think the only fine. reason I think to trade Brogdon is you really have to think Karis LeVert is a star and we want to empower him. But even then, like, I, I don't know what you're getting for Brogdon. I don't get it, man. Like I, I'm struggling to find a team like Philly would love him, but I, I don't, 
why would they want Tyrese Maxey in picks? Like, what does that really do for the Pacers? I, I don't know. Maybe it's just one of the, you know, test the waters. You got to do it around the trade deadline. So right. I, sure I think, a lot of that is going on for players that we don't ever get, we don't ever hear about, you know. Or frankly, maybe they're trying to package Brogdon with one of the centers for like something really good. I don't yeah. know what that would be, but I mean, I don't think they're going to get Bradley Beal, but I, I don't know. I just, I'm confused by that Pacers report. Everything else that's come out around the deadline, like, I get it. I personally think maybe Toronto should just keep Norm Powell, but I get why they would want to move him. I don't get this Pacers stuff. Well, there's probably going to be a lot of stuff that you don't get in the next coming days. So, Sam, thank you. We've, we've gone very long on this, but of course we were. We we're going to do that. It's, deadline it's trade deadline about. season, man, so you got to expect it. Uh, we'll do this again soon. I appreciate you coming on, man. Anytime.